Welcome to the Yoga Connection with Zorananda. The Yoga Connection is a deep dive into everything yoga. Follow along with Zorananda and his guests as they discuss yoga history, spirituality, different practices, and the many misconceptions that have followed along throughout the years of yogic tradition. Hello and welcome to the Yoga Connection. I'm Zorananda. So I've got a doozy today. Um, we are now exploring the third Pranavayu Samanavayu. Um, I actually recorded this one last week, but I I didn't really like how it turned out. I felt I was um, not really getting the flow that I liked, and I also ran a little short on the length that I usually like doing. So I like usually going an hour and I, I found that I only really found information and, you know, wrote out about 30 minutes worth of stuff. So after I recorded that one, I thought to myself, you know what, I'm going to do it again. I'm going to look into some more information and I'm really glad I did because I found, uh, some extra cool stuff to get into. Um, yeah, so before I get into it, I just want to um, drop in about um, checking out my website, checking out my social media. Um, if you haven't already, please give this podcast a follow and um, likewise to my uh, social media. I have links in my description. Uh, there'll be links to articles that I found um, regarding this episode, uh, links to videos, um, highly recommend checking them out. Um, and yeah, so please hit up uh, zornanda.com, check out my music, check out uh, my book, and um, check out my meditations along with uh, my social media, Yogi Zornanda. And I'm working towards having a level of activity on especially my social media like right now if you went on it you just see one photo um i archived and deleted a lot of my stuff just to want to start fresh um with this next step of kind of promoting myself and getting to the next level of being a content creator um so the time that I have and the space that I have for any of that is mainly through and with my podcast. Uh, I'm just, you know, in my bedroom, it's easy for me to open up my laptop and, and get going where, um, coming May and onwards, I'll have dedicated spaces for workout videos, for my yoga videos, uh, for my music videos and etc. So I appreciate the listeners that I have for those who are coming back each week. Uh, I apologize for not uploading last week. Like I said, I just didn't feel as good about it as I did uh, the second Bayou that I went into. When I finished and recorded that one, at the end of it, I just felt like I nailed it and that it uh, the flow of it was great. Um, with this last video from last week, um, I found that I paused a little bit too much and I found that... Um, I kind of lost track of things, so I wanted to do 
um, you guys a favor and do the justice of ensuring that you're getting good quality information. So without further ado, let's jump into the third Pranavayu, Samanavayu. Um, essentially, Samanavayu um, is the concentrating wind. It's an inward pull into the core of your body. Um, one of my favorite or my favorite Sanskrit um, kind of definition website is, is uh, Tamil Cube. Um, and they define Samanavayu or translate Samanavayu as, quote, the prana that carries the grosser material of food to the apana and brings the subtler material to each limb, the general force of digestion. So it mentions apana, so that's the downward force. That's the first vayu. So um, there's an easy way to see that there is an objective way to understand how the vayus function. Uh, just like, for example, the apanavayu and the downward force and it having to do with digestion, right? And having to do with elimination. Um, where the samanavayu here also deals with digestion, but in a different way. And so um, squeezing in and flexing your core abdominal muscles um, is one example. And you feel the strength of those muscles uh, concentrate and and squeeze in and like shake and there's an obvious noticeable reaction right so the effect on digestion is a more autonomic function right so you don't have to think about your digestion system working um, it's very different than say you know, trying to feel how your muscles are working. And so you have to squeeze everything in and you have to bring in that uh, external stimulus. Otherwise, your muscles are fairly neutral and, and dormant until there's stress put on them, where in your digestive system, your digestive system and your, um, so you're like your stomach and your digest and your, um, intestines are always moving and that movement is not controlled by whether or not you are squeezing them or not. It's autonomic, right? However, doing something rigorous regularly will influence that autonomic function. So imagine what doing almost nothing rigorous ever in your life does or could do where you do very little core activation at all um so there's two different things happening right you're either living a life where you're doing regular vigorous movements like exercises or you are um more stationary and you're not rigorous at all and you're not doing any kind of movement in your life so the question is, how do these two scenarios affect the Samana Bayu? So how do they affect this third center that's located, you know, in your um, center of your body? And how does it affect that internal pull or um, movement of your digestive system? So if Samana Bayu is tied to the digestion, then either having a physical practice 
or not will have an effect on digestion. Um, so even though the Samana Bayou words are kind of flowery, flowery, flowery in their languaging, the fact that it is tied to the digestion can and point towards that though your digestive system is autonomic and at first glance there's nothing you can do to change it, that Samana Bayou allows for an external influence to occur. So the interesting thing about yoga is it can be an experiment. And the only way to find out if knowledge of the Samana Bayou and having a yoga practice to work on Samana Bayou is by doing it. And there's no harm in it when it's done properly and with guidance at times. And so if you really want to know like, okay, my digestive system works autonomically. Um, I can't change that with my mind. And, and I know that there are studies done where people who are more physically fit have a different kind of or quote-unquote better digestive system than, say, someone who is um, more lethargic and overweight and um, has complications with their digestive system. So the definition that I read out at the beginning has an interesting idea that is worth getting into. So the part, quote, and brings a subtler, subtler material to each limb, the general force of digestion. So I think that just suggests that within the pranic body, there is a force that has a specific role to direct the flow of prana into the digestive system so that the material in the digestion can be broken down and sent to the limbs. And we do know this process. So scientifically speaking, we know from modern advances of how the food that we eat is broken down to all sorts of parts, for example, amino acids, protein chains. So those proteins stick to and help build muscle fiber, and we know this, right? Um, it makes sense that, um, as the saying goes, what you eat is what you are. And so the body has a natural built-in system to use the digestion to break everything down, have the little smaller components go into the bloodstream, and then through the bloodstream get to the parts that it's geared towards, right? So in this case, like protein and amino acids, it's going to go towards rebuilding the body, rebuilding the tissue. However, it seems that even without the scientific understanding, there's some kind of awareness that food turned into human, according to yoga and the pranavayus, right? So the definition of the pranavayu itself, even though it's using new terms, it's still suggesting that there was an awareness way back in the day while studying the pranavayus and the yogis and the rishis who created this stuff that they had an awareness that the food that they were eating was being turned into their body. And the difference here is that the yogic system includes awareness of a subtle flow of energy that has its own properties. And 
in modern science concerning the body, that, quote, subtle flow of energy is the impulses of the nervous system or can be associated to the impulses of the nervous system. And so my question is, does modern science simply not have the ability to observe how directing the energetic impulses of the body can result in beneficial outcome? And I really want you to remember that sentence. Does modern science simply not have the ability to observe how directing the energetic impulse of the body can result in beneficial outcome? Because that will come up later um, in a really cool way. So I found a pretty cool article on the NCBI website that's, uh, that studies the effects of pranayama on the brain mind of humans. And like I said at the beginning, I'll have a link in the description of this episode if you want to check out the article. I highly recommend it. Um, it's really good to read, to like hear these kind of podcasts and the stuff that I'm talking about, but then to actually read um, the peer-reviewed scientific study on this, right? So the article is an in-depth expose on 14 papers chosen out of 1,588. So 14 papers out of 1,500, only 14 were chosen, uh, to better elucidate the studies that had noticeable results. And that could be either noticeably negative results, noticeably positive results, right? It's not biased. It's just out of the 1,500, these 14 were the best to show um to have like really clear conclusions so in the 14 articles there's a good mix of studies that had results with lesser effects and some that had interesting results um okay so i'll have to edit this part
In the 14 articles, there is a good mix of studies that had results with lesser effects and some that had interesting results. Um, so, for example, there's um, out of this um, paper, um, just give me a second here. Um, so, this one was called Pranayamas and their Neurophysiological Effects. And two examples that I found, uh, one by uh, Violette et al., uh, described Brahmari Pranayama as a vibrating, buzzing, and constant sound of bumblebees produced while exhaling strictly through the nasal airways. After a start of exhalation, the EEG of all subjects exhibited a dramatic increase in the power of high frequencies, which was not observed during the false pranayama. This increase was due to the appearance of a particular pattern of EEG activity, which they called, quote, paroxysmal gamma wave. The EEG waveform remained stable across time, and the PGW activity peaked in the left middle temporal lobe, not propagating to other brain areas, areas during the practice. Subjectively, the subjects reported only a feeling of peacefulness, and so the, art, the authors argued that though displaying an epileptiform-like wave, the PGW activity measured during the pranayama would not be pathological, but represent non-epileptic hypersynchrony. So, um, in that one, the benefit is that they discovered that the pranayama induced a gamma wave in the EEG activity, which then led to subjective experiences of feeling peacefulness, right? So this next one um, from Rajiv et al. Analyze the stop signal reaction time, which estimates the ability to suppress motor responses before and after two respiration techniques. Deep breathing, one, and Brahmari Pranayam, two. With the latter described in the same way as in Viet et al., a humming sound produced during exhalation. Their results indicated a significant reduction in SSRT, so the stop signal reaction time, suggesting that the practice enhances response inhibition, which means a flexible cognitive control. So, in one finding, you have a new pattern of EEG activity, and in the other, flexible cognitive control. So these are examples that I pulled out to emphasize that particular breathing techniques have some kind of effect on the body and on the nervous system, right? And um, I'm, I'm, presenting this mainly on that question that I had at the like um, just a, a couple of minutes ago right does modern science simply not have the ability to observe how directing the energy impulses of the body can result in a beneficial income outcome and this study essentially confirmed my question confirmed, um, my curiosity, um, by stating, quote, the 
millenarian breathing exercises from yoga, commonly called pranayamas, are known to induce meditative states, reduce stress, and increase lung capacity. However, the physiological mechanisms by which these practices modulate the human nervous system still need to be unveiled. So even though they're picking up the benefits, their EEG machine is showing these things, they're still not able to find the mechanism. So the mechanisms here is prana. And there's, it's important to distinguish then between what pranic flow is or what the pranas are and the nervous system. And that really the nervous system is there to operate autonomically while the pranic system and the prana and the, um, like uh, life force energy is there to apply itself onto the nervous system to then create and to have the mechanisms to help modulate the human nervous system. And so in the scientific world, there seems to be an apparent limitation because I think that's what's happening. The awareness of pranic flow comes with utilizing the knowledge of the pranic values. So without the knowledge of prana, without the knowledge of the values, and you're only relying on the, the information from the sciences, you're not going to know how to exercise the mechanisms because you're not even going to be aware that they're there, right? And so the challenge is the experience of the energetic flow is subjective, so someone can lie about that, right? So you can um, get them to do the pranayamic stuff and without hooking them up to anything, without really actually having that paired scientific um, uh, method, someone can just say, oh yeah, I'm feeling the pranic flow and you'll never know, right? Uh, but I believe that's why, for the most part, this knowledge had been and sort of still is safeguarded. So you do have to be a yogi to want to understand this information and to understand this knowledge in a much more in-depth way. And so it's not just about the breathing technique itself. It's what you are encountering through the breathing technique. And so you're not just a scholar about all this, um, where you're reading about all this stuff and coming to conclusions you also take on the practice. And that's where I see science being a part of that in my mind. That's where you can create hypotheses and perform the postures and breathing techniques, then find out for yourself what worked and what didn't. And then you can apply that to particular scenarios. And, and so the benefit to having studies like the one I, I just brought up is that they're, they're, provide a more grounded perspective on what's possible to observe with the technology that we have. So with the EEG machines, um, and when the technology we have can't conclude that there is indeed a pranic flow because they even stated in this, um, uh, study that, uh, they're just, they don't know the mechanisms. And so going to the yogis who figured it out is a reasonable step. And so with that said, for any wisdom to come out of the Samana Vayu particularly, one must spend time with it where insights arise from unexpected places, spoiler alert, inside of you. 
That's where the subjective experience will shed light on how your personal pranic flow works inside your body because no one outside of you can figure that out for you because we each have our own body to figure out. So what is pranic flow then? It's a bit hard to grasp since developing a sensitivity to your own prana isn't a societal norm. We're not taught it in any level of typical education regarding how to observe prana. So it makes sense that there is no pranic flow in in the world, right? There's it's there's no belief around it. You ask people about it and the energetic flow, they'll be like they're not going to have any learned belief and instead we have our nervous system and its electrical pulses but there's nothing we can do to consciously affect it just like what the article also concluded right but in the yogic system prana is not exclusively the electricity in the nervous system it's quite the opposite the electrical impulses are a product of prana again that is debatable because, scientifically speaking, the sparks of electricity has been observed through a chemical reaction between sodium and potassium at the very site of neural connection. However, because pranic flow is observed internally, its nature is known in a different manner than looking at neurological connections through a microscope. The pranic flow is felt and identified as other than what the body is producing. So awareness of prana takes a step back where the body is a construct of prana. And how the body manifests is how the prana flows through the directions of the vayus. And now that might, that, that's pretty far out to say, right? However, it starts to make sense as an experiencer and observer of this system of energetics right and that's the whole thing i've been stressing is that if you're just the scholarly type where you're reading and you're forming an opinion and the facts from what you're reading to make a conclusion that something does or doesn't exist you're going to have a hard time reconciling Someone who says, no, I know it exists because when I do these techniques and this happens, this indicates to me and this shows me how and why it exists. And so as, and, you know, as weird as it might say, as an experiencer of it, it's almost not ethical to try and convince the other person of what's wrong or right. It's really only up to them to agree to take on the practice and to see it for themselves. And so a key difference between the yogic method and the scientific method is what kind of an interpersonal relationship is developed. So the yogic method method strives for an experience of pranic flow that can be replicated and utilized. And again, replicated and utilized. We're going to see an example right away of this in action and where the scientific method gains knowledge of the nervous system and then denouncing having any influence over its function, right? Science will say, oh, yeah, here's the nervous system. You know, that's what it is. It, you know, you look through a microscope, oh, and, you know, it has a male and female ending, and 
one end shoots sodium, the other shoots um, potassium. They come together. They link the neurons. But if I want to consciously affect that or not, science is saying, whoa, whoa, whoa that's autonom autonomic. You can't do that. Humans aren't capable of doing that. That's just how it is. It's like fixed, right? So a great example of someone having knowledge and practice of gaining awareness of pranic flow and gaining control over his nervous system is Wim Hof. So if you don't know who Wim Hof is, I just Google him right now. Uh, I, I believe his name is spelt um, W Y. M. No, I'm wrong. W I M H O F. Wim Hof. He has gone to extremes to prove that a very particular breathing technique can allow you to endure extreme cold and extreme hot temperatures. So he's climbed Mount Everest without shoes in only shorts. And he's swam in ice water in long lengths under the ice. He's done ice challenges where he's in a glass case and he's filled with ice and he just stays there for hours and hours and hours. And he even ran in a desert when it was 40 degrees. So he went on both ends and showed that his breathing technique controls his body regardless of the temperature, right? So he has gone as far as well to claim that diseases cannot live within his body because of that control. So in a lab setting, Wim Hof exposed himself to E. coli by means of injection. And so it's still it was still a dead bacteria, but it would still cause... Um, uh, side effects, right? Like he would still get sick of it. And then because he was in a hospital and in a lab setting, he was monitored by doctors. And, you know, if he were to get E. coli, they knew how to like treat it so that it gets out of his body, right? So he was still safe. Um, it's not like he was just being injected with a live virus and they're like, well, I hope you survive. <laughs> so within 20 minutes, of him being uh, in injected with the E. coli, his body eradicated the E. coli. On top of that, he trained 12 people in his method, and they were injected with E. coli, and their bodies fought it off, and they remained healthy without any side effects. And so there's a link to a YouTube video that I, I really highly suggest you watch it. Um, and it shows the whole study. It shows um, Wim Hof and kind of his backstory of how he got into it and his feats and all the crazy world records he did. And then the study itself. And so he was injected with the E. coli. They found there was no reaction. The E. coli died. And it was like stunning. And so they took 24 participants, 12 that were doing his um, breathing techniques and 12 that weren't. And so
to ensure um, that there's correlation, right? They took the 12 people who didn't do um, the breathing techniques and they injected them with the bacteria, with the E. coli, and they all got sick. And so essentially Wim Hof said, there you go, proof that these breathing techniques are influencing the nervous system to enable it in a particular way, right? And in this way, it's not only to endure cold and hot, it's to control the immune system itself to fight off diseases. Um, in this case, a bacteria, E. coli. So my thought here is that the technique Wim Hof is utilizing is bypassing the autonomic control from the body and going directly into the pranic flow to manipulate the nervous system. So instead of using the nervous system itself and trying to use your mind to like control the bacteria, the breathing technique itself is tapping into the pranic body and the pranic flow and from the pranic flow changing the way that the body is um, experiencing the outside world. And so if we're not doing that technique, the body is just going to naturally, through its autonomic system, react to trigger you as the person to get out of the cold because it's fucking cold or to get out of the hot because it's fucking hot. But then this breathing technique is shutting down that faculty and enabling a new faculty that keeps the body regulated no matter what. So luckily, I found an article on the NCBI website based on Wim Hof's breath work, and the article is called The Voluntary Activation of the Sympathetic Nervous System and Attenuation of the Innate Immune response in humans voluntary activation of the sympathetic nervous system and the opening paragraph states quote both the autonomic nervous system and innate immune system were regarded as systems that cannot be voluntarily influenced so they're opening that up right there they're saying right off the gate look we didn't think that these two these two systems could be voluntarily influenced. So to continue, to continue, the present study demonstrates that through practicing techniques learned in a short-term training program, four days, the sympathetic nervous system and immune system can indeed be voluntarily influenced. Healthy volunteers practicing learned techniques exhibited profound increases in the release of epinephrine, which in turn led to increased production of anti-inflammatory mediators and subsequent dampening of the pro-inflammatory cytokine response elicited by intravenous administration of bacterial endotoxin. This study could have important implications for the treatment of a variety of conditions associated with excessive or persistent inflammation, especially autoimmune diseases in which therapies that antagonize pro-inflammatory cytokines have shown great benefit. Uh, 
So essentially, when your body is in its autonomic state and encounters a bacteria, it can't help but be affected by the um, bacteria. And so in its autonomic response, it's increasing the cytokine response, which then increases inflammation, which then increases the side effects of the bacteria. And so this study just stated right there that through these breathing techniques, you can voluntarily affect the pro-inflammatory cytokine response. And so that the bacteria itself can't even produce the inflammatory response. That the environment it is in cannot host it. And so it has no other choice but to be completely eradicated by the body. It just can't even live in it. I'll go as far, so far as to say that this is the utilization of pranic flow in the instance that triggers the body to operate differently. It's right there. And that with or without awareness of it, the pranic flow is there. And... It's obvious to me that the yogis of the past knew the power of the pranic flow. And they knew that just by doing the techniques, you don't even have to think about anything else. You don't even have to think about that you can cure disease with it. That even just doing it is enabling a protective kind of force within you and it's clear by with these studies that science has now proven that so i'll say that part again so i'll i'll go so far as to say that the utilization of pranic flow in this instance that triggers the body to operate differently than it would if it were to be left on its own devices and so now I, I beg to question, like, are the diseases that we're getting due to this cytokine response? And that if we keep that at bay through these t breathing techniques, we'll actually live healthily, more healthily and longer because we're not allowing for disease and bacteria and viruses to actually have a suitable environment to live in. Our body immediately can snuff them out. And the cool thing about this, just to tie it all together here, is when you look into Wim Hof and who he is and, you know, where did he come from, he has expressed himself that he learned his breathing techniques through yogic practices, that um, in his uh, late teens and early 20s, he was getting into all this stuff. He was 
he was getting into yoga and he was getting into pranayama and that he realized and he came about all of the stories of the of the yogis and the buddhist monks and how they can do all these crazy things that he realized that he can do it as well that there's there isn't an exception and so he put it to himself to prove it that anybody and everybody has this ability that is built in within us and that he's not some special case that he had to become this monk and he had to live in the Himalayas and that he had to take on these like secret doctrines and stuff like that. And then, um, he was kind of chosen as this, he's just a regular dude and he figured it out. And as a regular dude, he put himself to the test and he proved that the regular use of um, his Wim Hof method is going to change your relationship with your body and your energetic state. So with all that said, I still encourage you to take all this with a grain of salt. Though it's helpful to have these studies done and have someone like Wim Hof to make incredible claims and prove them, Adopting a whole new set of beliefs and practices can be overwhelming. And so taking on a yoga practice really shouldn't be for the express purpose of displaying some kind of superpower. In this case, the superpower is a natural side effect. All you have to do is the breathing technique. You don't have to think about, oh, I'm doing this technique so I can do this thing. It's just do the technique. The what you can do afterwards is going to present itself naturally. And so the knowledge gained that your body could exhibit strange feats must lead to a further conclusion that there's more to uncover about the pranabayus and how awareness of their function allows for a use of them to extend into new kinds of realms of experience. So ultimately, the pranabayus provide a framework to become well-equipped in navigating and exploring your conscious existence that is not dependent on the body. And I think that's what this, all of this is slowly showing that application of consciousness and awareness through the vehicle of pranayama and breath work is preparing you for a new kind of reality. So say Wim Hof, um, in this case, he entered into a new reality where nothing affects his body no temperatures extreme cold extreme uh hot and even to the case um a bacteria you know that in his study made people sick and so where that leads to is how the other pranavayus come into play because you want to look at the pranavayus as a complete system and so that you want to explore all of them so that they are operating simultaneously through your awareness so that if you were to consider the totality of your pranic flow that it's not isolated through the individual ones they're all flowing into and out of each other together right so if you were to think of upana downward prana upward and samana internally that when you start to get into uh vyana vayu and udan vayu 
then the potency of all of them working together and all of them flowing together and through your awareness you are grounding and and moving downwards you're moving upwards you're concentrating in um when we get into viana next it's uh the outward expansion so it's the reaching out and then the udon the circulating that all of them together i just had a funny thought too it's like uh just imagine like the power rangers right that when they all come together they create that like mechazord right um like uh they're like <laughs> mecha m- massive um um power being and so that like the pranavayus you know you can consider them in a, in a similar way that when you have been doing the asana practice and doing the pranayamas and they have been working on creating more and more awareness of the pranavayus that there's going to be a point that there's a potency to your pranic flow and it'll become more and more noticeable in how your life starts um, changing and um, how people perceive you that that subtlety is is picked up and I find it really interesting because it can it can provide answers in a unique way that you wouldn't really get only on the science side right so even though you know going into um the studies about um brahmari pranayama which is that um humming bumblebee um or into um wim hoffs um that there isn't room for a shift in perspective right because there is no application of practice and that's what i love about the wim hof one is that it blew the researchers away like they were just ecstatic and um and so what i feel my job is in all of this is to lend a voice and an articulation of what seems so abstract in the yoga world of the kind of fluffy energetics of things or the fluffy languaging of things and to bridge it together. And um, and so I see a really great synchronicity between someone like Wim Hof in doing these things and someone like myself in utilizing the, his study to show hey there's more going on here and um this is where my work comes in to want to somewhat prove that there is indeed a prior step to all this and that even though yes you can measure through the eeg machines and you can measure through the brain scans um how the body is resisting um, the extremes that through actually doing the pranayama and through doing the meditation that your experience is going to be quite different 
and that how the body is being equipped to do that becomes noticeable and very different. And so that's just something that the sciences will not be able to pick up. And it's something that the, like the greatness of the mind that is, that we are and within us and all around us that we innately have the faculties to pick up on how the pranayama, how the um, manipulation of pranic flow is going to introduce parts of the body as tools to have a totally different experience than what normal people would. Like, for example, in the, in the YouTube video, him and the 12 guys that he's doing the test with, they're out in minus 15 degrees Celsius playing soccer. And like, I'm from Edmonton, Alberta. It gets really cold up here. And I know what minus 15 feels like. And to be out there in shorts and shoes and that's it, no shirt, playing soccer. And they played for an hour and none of them are cold. And the researchers who are out there doing the video, they're dressed up in hats and jackets and pants and boots and they're expressing how they're freezing and they're just um taken aback by the fact that they're out the other guys are out there playing uh just in shorts right and so to be able to enable having a totally different experience than what would be a societal norm is groundbreaking. And they say that in the video too, like the researchers and the doctors are like, this is actually groundbreaking. And the, the caveat is that you have to do it. That the mind by itself isn't strong enough to overcome these things, right? So you can think of yourself in an arrogant way. Well, well, if it's already there and the pranic flow is already there, then I can just use my mind and I can do mind over matter. But the thing that we have to appreciate is that um, there's something about the body and there's something about this physical vehicle that suggests to me that as a form of technology, there are parts to us that in our modern day understanding of the human body, we are hundreds of years of a way, a way of like collective society normalizing being able to control the body more and more and more in advanced ways. So I think what Wim Hof is doing is he's like plucking something out of the future to bring to us and to say, hey, if we just change our breathing in this way, we're not going to be cold all the time. We're not going to be super hot all the time. We're going to be in a regulated state. And that regulated state also helps with our, um, with our state of mind, with being more peaceful, with not being so agitated. Because imagine like, you know, wherever you are listening to this, if it's winter right now and it's 
you know, minus whatever, and you go outside without a shirt on and you're going to start freezing and you start, um, uh, shivering and immediately you're going to be like, fuck this, I'm going inside. Right. Or if it's, you know, like 36 degrees in, um, you know, somewhere in the Southern part of the world and you can't even bear to be out in the sun, you immediately start sweating and you're groggy and you want to just be inside, right? That the technique in introducing awareness of pranic flow and regulating that pranic flow is going to keep you in a regulated state so that you're not going to be swayed by things. You're not going to be swayed by external factors. If it is cold or hot or if it is reactionary to what people say or people do, this technique is allowing you to be more in control of where your energy is going. Otherwise, in the autonomic sense, you're at the whim of your environment. (laughs) Pun intended, whim. So... If you don't want to be that kind of whim and you want to be the cool kind of whim, do the pranayama. (laughs) So, ultimately, I think I said this already, but I'm going to say it again. Ultimately, the pranavayu provides a framework to become well-equipped in navigating and exploring your conscious existence that is not dependent on the body. (sighs) Well, this one definitely felt a lot better than the last attempt. Um, What I try to strive for is I don't want to do a bunch of editing. So I upload these episodes from beginning to end without editing anything. And uh, I really do feel... Like I did this one justice and, um, yeah, I found all the Wim Hof stuff, which I thought was, was perfect because I, I kind of felt like I wasn't only just talking about the Samana Vayu, I was also talking about this idea of <coughs> what science can and can't prove and the benefit of doing the Pranayama and getting in touch with the Pranavayus in a tangible way and the Wim Hof stuff just totally nailed it in my opinion um like i said a couple times i'll put all of the links <coughs> excuse me i'll put all the links um in the description so you can check out the video um where he's showing all this stuff off and the articles as well um yeah i feel like i'm on a roll with these uh pranavayus and depicting them in a not so typical way because i was thinking about this earlier as well i was like why am i not talking about um you know like the negative effects um (coughs) of you know having a weak samana value and blah 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 and i'm just personally striving to not talk about the typical stuff because you can find that anywhere you can go on google right now and just Google Pranavayus and you'll get hundreds of pages of people with articles and videos talking about the Pranavayus, but typically it's all really going to be about the same stuff. So uh, for me personally and for you as a listener, I want to provide a framework and a groundwork for experiencing the Pranavayus and backing it up with real life um, stuff. And so... So finding the articles is really helpful and 
I really want to encourage people to start doing these pranabayus or sorry, uh, pranayamas. And so my goal is once the summer comes, I'm going to have stuff that I'm going to be able to offer. I'm going to have packages. I'm going to have, um, videos. I'm going to have, um, just things and courses and, uh, sessions and lessons that, will allow you to dig into this stuff more, um, especially if you're interested. Again, feel free to reach out to me either through my website if you want to send me an email um, or through my Instagram if you want to send me a direct message because <clears throat> I'm pretty, you know, <coughs> I'm like a small fish in uh, the ocean of podcasting. It's really easy for me to answer questions so I don't have hundreds of people messaging me. So, feel free, drop me a message, ask me some questions. And with that said, happy that I'm hit my hour mark just a little bit under <clears throat> and have a wonderful rest of your day. Sorry about all the coughing. I just have this like weird tickle in my throat. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Enjoy. Enjoy.